tonight on Unsolved Mysteries Rewind. Two friends get together to discuss episodes of their favorite television show, Unsolved Mysteries. Will they find answers? Will anyone care? You may be able to solve a mystery. Welcome to Unsolved Mysteries Rewind. Um, I am Laura, the co-host of the show. Um, Mark is currently on uh, leave, so we have got a guest speaker. Um, he has been on the show before as we interviewed him for the Bodies in the Barrel crime in Adelaide, Australia, where we're from. Uh, so it's Graham Crook. Welcome, Graham. Thank you very much, Laura. Glad to be here. Excellent. Well, we pre- certainly appreciate you um, coming along and helping us out with today's case, which we will be talking about Dennis Henry Depew. Now, he was wanted for the murder of his wife, Marilyn Depew, and he, well, was missing since April 15th, 1990. So, The Unsolved Mysteries is season three, episode 20, and it first aired March 20th, 1991. So on that uh, day, he'd been missing for about 11 months and he was on the run. So basically, uh, he was uh, needing to be caught. So um, you ready to discuss Dennis Depew? Yes, certainly am, yes. Well, first of all, I just got to say that the photos that we see, um, the one of Dennis and Marilyn together is, I hate to say it, the cre- one of the creepiest photos I've ever seen. Yes, definitely, yes. Um, he looks very suspicious just in that photo. Oh, Even though we, at that stage he probably hadn't done anything. No, he looks like a serial killer and Marilyn does look like a very nice woman. Someone did comment she may need braces. <laughs> but, you know, we're not, we're not going on looks here. We're just saying, you know, she was a victim. So, you know, we have to pay our respects there. But, yes, he doesn't look like a very friendly man, shall we say. Um, so we basically we start with a, uh, a cold Easter Sunday, April 15th, 1990, uh, along a road outside of Coldwater, Michigan. There was a couple called Ray and Marie Thornton, and they always like to go off and drive in the country, which is what normal people do if they don't have much on the weekend. They, well, probably not now with the price of petrol, but... um, These were simpler times. Yes, they were much more simpler times. So as they drove south, a van sped up from behind and passed them very abruptly. Now, this is interesting. They like to play a license plate game, and they like making names out of them. So the van's license plate began with GZ. So Marie Thornton came up with, geez, he's really in a hurry when he passed them, which I had to laugh, even though it's an ominous subject. The fact that they were able to find something out of that creepy van out of the license plate was kind of funny. Well, at that point in time, though, they didn't know it was a creepy van. Yes, they just thought it was someone that was uh, obviously in a hurry. Yes, definitely. Now, if this sounds familiar to anybody, then if you've ever seen the the horror movie Cheapest Creepers, which I highly recommend, it's got Justin Long in it, Um, it is actually, uh, this case is actually the inspiration for the start of that film, for when he's coming, driving home uh, to college, from college with his sister, they're in a car and there's a creepy van that passed them and they end up making a licence plate game out of it and, you know, they're just having a laugh. But later... 
nobody was laughing. So uh, do you want to continue with the next part? Yeah, so several miles down the road, they came across the van again, um, but it was stationary. It was actually pulled up behind an old schoolhouse. And Marie saw a man walking behind it with a bloody blanket and noticed that it was part, the van was actually parked between the building and a large tank. As they kept going, the minutes later, the van pulled up behind them again and then rode their bumper for about two miles. Uh, and because the game had helped Marie remember the first two letters, she wrote it down. What they, when Ray turned off the highway, because he really was fed up with this guy tailing him, uh, the van pulled up to the side of the road um, and they, when they went back to go back on that road again, they noticed that he'd um, attempted to get a, a, a different... They, he'd actually put a different licence plate on there. So he was in the process of changing the plates. This was shown in the in the reenactment that they play, played on the the uh, episode. Yes, yes, and I have to ask. I was thinking, why would the man change the license plates in clear view of the couple? Well, I think he probably didn't notice. He assumed they turned off. He didn't probably. He wasn't watching to see that they came back along the road. Mm, yes, I mean, it was also probably uh, he probably wasn't in his correct state of mind either. No by what we later find out who it was and what he had done. He probably was just trying to get the heck out of Dodge. So, um, but we also, another question is, um, knowing what what the man knew and what he had done and that there was blood, you know, and that he'd possibly been seen, how come he didn't try to go after Ray and Marie, like as in with a weapon or, you know, did he just completely ignore them? The segment sort of shows that he's sort of, left to his own devices and he doesn't really care who sees. So that sort of gives me the impression he's not in the right frame of mind. Yeah, he was probably concentrating, focusing on changing the licence plate, didn't think about... If he was thinking, he wouldn't have left the front door open, which was obviously enough to show that it was covered with blood because Marie noticed that on the way past. Yes, yes. And then, the, so the Thorntons, that would be enough evidence for anybody, they returned to the schoolhouse to search for the bloody blanket that they had seen and they found it partially stuffed into a small hole and they immediately went to the police and they found out they witnessed the final chapter of a bitter, heated conflict between a husband and a wife. So, uh, yes, basically, Dennis Depew who is was 46, and his wife Marilyn, who was 48, of Coldwater. They appear to have a comfortable middle-class life. Um, he was a state property assessor and she was a high school counsellor, so that sounds like pretty decent jobs. They seem to make a good living together. And they had three children, Jennifer, Julie and Scott, but things behind closed doors weren't what they seemed. And after the children were born, Dennis, Dennis grew with very with, withdrawn. So, I mean, I, that could be for a lot of reasons, really. Yes. He, he could have just not wanted to be, have the responsibility of having children. Um, yeah, we, uh, it, it's, it's speculation on anybody's behalf as to the actual reason why he became withdrawn. Maybe he didn't like his job anymore. Maybe he was going through a midlife crisis. He was 46, for example. So, um, you know, it could be he was just going through that strange 
um, it's a bit like male menopause, really. That's really what it is. Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, we, I mean, you've got to wonder, did they go to counselling? Did they, I mean, because Marilyn was a bit older, maybe she wanted children and he didn't. Uh, the photo in the segment showed him looking very, uh, there's a, one photo of him sitting on the couch where he looks completely miserable. So he wouldn't... Also, we don't, act, do we actually know how old the children were? Because if Scott was born... If he was eight years old, that means Marilyn would have been 40 when the when he was born. So it, it, this obviously had been going on for a little while. I don't think Scott was a newborn baby, assuming Scott's the youngest. Yeah, in the, in the segment, Scott was the youngest and it looked like he was probably about 10 to 12 years old. Uh, and the other two were, I'd say, maybe 14 and 16 or maybe 13 and 15. Um, but, I mean, maybe Dennis just... Yeah, just grew tired of his life, maybe. Um, he isolated himself from the family and he always accused Marilyn of turning the children against him. Uh, now, contrary to Dennis's behaviour, we learned that Marilyn was a very sweet person and she was very well liked in the community, but people didn't think too much of Dennis, which is what we just said, you know. So I uh, found a couple of comments on a, a YouTube video about the case that mentioned that he was actually a terrible person and but again we don't know the accuracy of these statements that could just be one person's opinion but like I said from the looks of his photos and what we've already talked about here he seemed he was an interesting character who didn't have a lot of people who thought he was a great guy yeah yeah he's certainly very withdrawn Mm, definitely um, yeah, the, the the abused daughter, Julie, she recalled that they did not fight openly with each other. In fact, they rarely even talked to each other. So obviously their marriage had got to a stage where they just were totally estranged from each other, even though they were living in the same house. In fact, Marilyn had told her co-worker and Dunkel that she was very unhappy with the marriage. And in 1989, so a year before this, she'd actually started... Um, divorce proceedings. Now, Dennis didn't want that to happen, uh, and Marilyn told the lawyer, Richard Colbeck, that the marriage was broken and that she wanted to be more independent and that Dennis was trying to run her life. Dennis agreed to let her have the primary custody of the children and surprisingly allowed Marilyn to do to have whatever she wanted in regards to property, etc. So that's an interesting way. It may be he was just trying to set the scene. I don't know. Um, yes, what to, was it what, the calm before the storm? Yeah. W- what made him not want the divorce but be so amicable at the start? I think maybe if he thought he could please her, that she would want him back. Yes, could be. That's yeah. what I think yeah. is yeah. the case. Yeah. And um, basically Dennis was granted bi-weekly visitation rights, but the children were often reluctant to see him. So we don't know if... Marilyn was really turning their children against him or did they just not have much in common with their father? Did they not want to spend time with him by their own choice or was it Marilyn? I personally think it was probably their own choice. I don't think Marilyn, if they didn't fight in open in front of the children, I doubt that she would be saying anything too bad about him. No, no. And, and the kids can make up their own mind. Exactly. Yes. They seem older, older kids there. They'd be able to form their own opinions. And it is a shame when when kids are, you know, the subject of divorce, which happens more and more these days. But even back then, um, it was, you know, hard for the kids. But they, you know, they 
they had to do what the lawyer said. So, I mean, um, I must admit the next bit um, w- where he was granted access to the guest house, which he used as an office, and also enabled him to keep control of his family. It, it's very odd that it, that was actually even allowed to happen because eventually he refused to leave altogether, which again was going to cause tension. That was always going to happen if all of a sudden he's, he decided to to um, maintain that control. Yes, exactly. And he, so maybe the lawyers felt sorry for him that he was, that they said you should be fighting for more. Uh, you don't get to see your kids as much. How about we give you the rights, you know, the, the guest house and let you come and go. But like we said, we don't know the full story. Mm-hmm. But this is the next part when I did hear this, it did really creep me out. Um, after Dennis was refusing to leave, Marilyn changed the locks on the doors. So everything, every door lock was changed. And she came home one day and he was there sitting on the couch. Now, how did he even get in with the locks changed? Marilyn was very frightened. I'm I'm interested in terms of Marilyn was frightened, but who did she tell she was frightened? Was it her co-workers? In which case, why... Did it come as a surprise? Why, why wasn't it he forced to to um, have a restraining order on him, for example? Yes, exactly. Maybe she didn't want to cause more hassle. Maybe she thought she'd just placate him, let him, you know, just not ask questions. But I'm sure she would have talked about it with her co-workers and, um, uh, and also her family because I know that her mother and I think maybe her grandmother was... I think it might, actually it might have been her mother was confirming that she was frightened about... Dennis somehow getting inside the house. Yeah. We don't know if the children had given given him the right, the yeah, new maybe key. Maybe persuaded them. Yeah, maybe yeah. he did that. Yep. Um, but we also know that Dennis was talking to his co-workers, and he, out of the blue, which is what the the co-worker said when being interviewed, uh, Dennis had indicated that he was contemplating suicide and murder. Now, if a co-worker came up to me and said, "I'm having all these troubles in my marriage." I'm wanting to kill myself, I'm wanting to kill her or him, I would be very alarmed and I would tell the police, even if, you know, it was even said in in jest, he was seemed to be a very moody man and if someone said that out of the blue, I'd be very concerned. I mean, maybe, I don't I mean, know. I find that, as again, he, he's had a period where he's been totally distant and removed and then all of a sudden he's contemplating killing and not only himself, but his, his wife as well. So, and who knows, it could have been um, the children as well. It, it, you know, you don't know how their mind, how people's minds work when they get into this state of mind. Yes. But, yeah, it's, it's alarming that even though there were obvious signs, nobody almost like took them seriously. Yeah. And I think if you're a co-worker, you you know you you know you, you were other co-workers quite you know to a certain degree, and if he is confiding in one of them, if he mentioned any of that, that would just be red lights and flashing. But like we said, we don't know if he just said, "Oh, in jest, or oh, I just want to kill her because it's just so frustrating." But um, so that brings us to the Easter Saturday, nineteen ninety, which is when we mentioned before, where at the time Ray and Marie Thornton were driving uh, around the hills and that and Dennis arrived to pick up two of his children for a visit. The eldest Julie had refused to go with him and Scott had asked to stay a little bit longer at the house because he looked like he from the segment he was playing a video game. Um, 
he wanted to stay longer, but Dennis became angry with him. Marilyn and Dennis started arguing, in which he once again blamed her for ruining his life and which turning I, again, the children against him. I found him. that really interesting because Julie said that they never did this. So what had sparked that change in behaviour by, by him to actually start arguing and by her to respond to that anger? Yes, because she did say, you know, he's old enough to make his own choices. And in the segment he goes, you're making things terrible, I hate you. You know, and that, yeah, that just would have just... If they hadn't had that, had that happen before, no wonder people every people were freaking out. And um, so then uh, Dennis pushed Marilyn down the stairs and she fell onto the landing and he then he began to hear her more. So then the other daughter, Jennifer, ran to the neighbour's house to call the sheriff's office. Um, I did write here, I don't know why she didn't just use their own phone, but maybe she was in fear that... Her father was that angry that he would attack her too or rip the phone out of her hand and say everything's fine. Um, So I guess she was quick thinking and quite bright to say, I better get out of the house out of danger and call someone somewhere else. So that's what I think happened. So Yeah, um, I agree. I think very, very clear thinking by somebody in a a very traumatic situation. Mm, Yes. But again, that to me indicates that maybe... Jennifer was used to them arguing. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's just, you know, why would she run next door and not think about using her own phone? Yeah, exactly. Uh, You can continue if you like. Um, Dennis then carried um, Marilyn up the stairs. Uh, Then he dragged her out to his van and he told the children he was going to take her to the hospital. But they never actually arrived at the hospital. Um, and sh- the sheriff's deputies and the uh, Michigan State Police immediately began searching for them. And that afternoon, after the Thorntons had discovered um, the bloody blanket and witnessed Dennis's strange activities, although they didn't know it was Dennis at that point in time, um, the area was cordoned off around the, uh, the old schoolhouse. And so they assumed, the authorities assumed, that Marilyn was probably already dead. They did find um, several fresh tyre tracks and a large pool of blood at the scene. And those tracks, the tyre tracks, were later matched to Dennis's van. And the blood was um, analysed as as being Marilyn's. Uh, So the next day, a a highway worker discovered Marilyn's body just off a deserted deserted road in between the schoolhouse and their house. Yes. Which did lead me to understand what, why the police weren't looking for a body. If they'd already assumed that she was dead, why they didn't um, look for her body, at least between where they'd last seen her and when they found the bloody blanket. Because he'd obviously disposed of the body between uh, those two points. Yes, yes. And she had unfortunately been shot once in the back of the head. Um, obviously, the beating wouldn't have helped. That would have made her be obviously half unconscious or unconscious all, all the way. Um, but it's, I hope it was at least, I hate to say, a quick death for her uh, because it's not very nice at all. Uh, and we wonder if the police found a gun at the scene. Uh, this was not mentioned in the segment. I would assume that he would have taken it with him. Uh, but he'd already left behind so much evidence and the Thorntons were witnesses. So he might as well have left the gun because they were able to figure out who it was and who they were looking for, who was on the run. But he may well have thrown the gun around uh, away when he was disposing of, the, of her body. 
Um, he may have just chucked it in the field or in a, a nearby creek or something. Don't know. They're, but obviously they didn't consider looking that. It was a, I suppose it's an open and shut case. So really they weren't looking for the for the weapon. Yeah, maybe they didn't even really need it to convict him because they knew that, that they were married, they were having trouble, there was blood everywhere, enough blood for it, that person to be deceased. Um, and they placed him at the and, scene, yep. disposing of the, the, the evidence. So, yes, yeah, and the witnesses. Yep. yep. So days later, Dennis sent a series of 17 letters, which were postmarked in a few other states, to friends and relatives, and he tried to justify Marilyn's death, which I think is, you know, the nerve of him. In one letter, he wrote, quote, Marilyn had many opportunities to treat me fairly during this divorce, but she chose to string it out, to trick me, to lie to me. And when you lose your wife, children and home, there's not much left. I was too old to start over. So that to me was just a where, what was me? Oh, I accidentally killed someone. Feel sorry for me. You know, I think to myself, when he was starting over when he was found he obviously did start over he had a new relationship which we'll get to he was living in a different state you know he might have had a job but we're not we're not aware of that but nothing justifies murder um but it's clear that he he was obviously feeling some guilt but nothing justifies it you you don't just send letters after murdering someone and try to justify doing what you did do, do we know whether those letters were exactly the same or were they all along the same lines that obviously she was, it was all Marilyn's fault and I, I killed her because? Yes, basically they, what, what was assumed in the segment was that they were basically all saying it was Marilyn's fault, she was not treating him fairly, he had snapped. And that's obviously what it was because, like, well, we, we figure out what it was because if they didn't fight openly in the family, which we're going to assume... Mm and he suddenly just snapped and threw her down the stairs and started beating her, that is a crime of passion. And the fact that he took her and said, I'm going to take her to the hospital and lied about that shows that he did still care about her, but he wanted to hurt her because he was just so mad that he snapped. But then having beaten her up so that she was badly injured, then take her to the hospital and then pull aside and shoot her in the back of the head... That's not. That's premeditated. He's obviously thought about that. Because yes, because he would have thought that if he'd gone to the hospital, he'd have to explain why Marilyn had all these injuries. Well, he could just dropped her off. He didn't have to. But, but what, what if yeah. Marilyn had remembered? Yeah. Oh. She could have said yes, it was my husband, and then he could have lost all of his rights, which would have made him even more angry. Well, so he I probably think thought her, he probably lost most of his rights anyway. Well, yes, yes, but I'm saying he probably wanted to avoid the hospital scene. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And just went, I, I'm in it too deep now. Yeah. I have to get rid of her. Yeah. I have to just shoot her and make it quick, and then bury her. Yeah. Yeah. So the fact that he had a gun. I mean, it is the US after all, but yes. I mean, the fact that he had a gun and was able to think clearly enough to say well I'm not going to go through this I'm going to I'm not going to take it to the hospital I'm going to I'd be interested to know as well if the schoolhouse was on the way to the hospital yes and uh, he suddenly again. decided to yep. yeah he just or did he go off in another completely different direction to uh, and that was always his aim he was just telling the kids yeah yeah exactly they didn't get or even though he must have known well I don't know that he knew that um, Jennifer wasn't on the scene 
Yeah, that's true. He may have been again in that sort of state, which is when Raya Marie Thornton saw him, he probably was in such a state that he didn't even realise yeah. he was overtaking them. He didn't realise he'd left the door open with the blood on it. He didn't realise he was being seen changing plates. So, yeah. you know, but um, he showed, I mean, that what happens next shows that he, it shows his controlling and manipulative nature. Um, Marilyn's work confident Anne felt that he was trying to say that Marilyn's friends caused her death, even though he was the one that pulled the trigger, which doesn't make any sense. Marilyn's parents felt that the only closure would be to have Dennis caught, but it won't bring her back. They felt that if she had died in a car accident, that can be explained and sort of accepted, but the fact that her sh- that she was murdered was unbelievable and they just can't seem to grasp that she's actually gone. Yeah. She can't. They can't process, they can't fathom it. Just from a grief point of view, yes. 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 Um, so three months later, Dennis sent copies of a 13-page letter to a few relatives and friends. It was a chilling 5,000-word rationalisation, which quoted from the Bible throughout. So he must have been feeling guilt. He said, quote, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, a lie for a lie, a life for a life. I realise that vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, but sometimes the Lord is busy doing other things. I mean, uh, end quote. I think he was obviously having some sort of guilt breakdown to be able to send these letters and feeling again that, oh, they don't know where I am, but I just want to make sure that they know that it wasn't all me. I'm not the bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. So he he was not in the right frame of mind at all. Definitely not, no. And... um, so we do have some results from this case, and what what do we get from that? Um, well, basically, that, and, and one of the things that intrigued me about this is I just wonder how many of the episodes of Unsolved Mysteries actually end up in a resolution of the case, not just reporting that the case was resolved, but actually resulting in the actual resolution of the of the crime, and in this case. He um, basically they aired the the um, the program and um, basically there was a report almost well that that night I think or early the next day that um, that he'd been he was uh, in Texas actually um, uh, that a woman had named Mary had arrived at her Texas home and her boyfriend who was Hank Queen was already there uh, his van was parked in the driveway uh, which was out of the ordinary because he normally kept it inside the garage he he told her that his mother was very ill and that she needed to go he needed to go to see her and he asked her to make some sandwiches for him now (laughs) which was i found very odd because i don't know whether it actually happened but in the reenactment he actually had the segment on the television while he was asking you that while he was saying i'll have a couple of sandwiches I had to laugh out loud about the sandwiches, though. But, you know, so he's asking for cans of soda. He's asking for, you know, to keep her occupied in the kitchen. But if it's on TV, change the channel. Yeah, I I did find that very... I don't... Again, that might have been just a, a dramatisation for television. But, um, but if she didn't see it, how did she know? Yes, yeah, so basically she must have found out that well, she felt that something wasn't right. She felt... It was, a, it was an odd thing for him to... He was behaving oddly, I suppose. Yes. She, he wanted to get away very fast. He was apparently packing some uh, some clothes in his bag. It seemed like he was going for more than uh, a night or two. She just had this feeling and she... Um, 
you know, she even sort of had to make him kiss her on the cheek and give her a hug. She, you know, was like, I'll see you soon. And he goes, you know, and then she, she said in the segment she knew she never was going to see him again. And that is a weird feeling to have. And I'm guessing that later that night, Mary's friends probably rung her up and said, you know, your boyfriend Hank has just been featured or, this, hey, this guy looks just like your boyfriend well, Hank. I think the van was a pretty distinctive van. I mean, I find it odd that he had the same van. Yeah. He didn't even think about getting rid of the van. Yep. Uh, after nearly a year, I mean, he yes, he was living in a different state. He had a new relationship. But, yeah, what was his connection to the van? Did he still feel guilty? Did he want to keep it as a... Uh, memento, which is very messed up. Um, but uh, so she believes that obviously Hank Queen, aka Dennis DePew, saw the show and deliberately kept her distracted. Um, interestingly, and I found this out, she'd actually been suspicious of him in the past and she actually asked a private investigator to look into him, but nothing was found at the time. And this was not mentioned in the UM, in the like, UM Unsolved Mystery segment, but her weird feelings about him when he left make more sense knowing that, um, you know, she had to hire a PI, private investigator, to look at his life. I mean, that should have been an indicator right there that something wasn't right. Very odd, very odd, yes. Yes. So, continue. Yeah, well, one of Mary's friends had called called the telecentre and provided authorities with the, the li- Texas licence plate number for Dennis's van. Um, again, why Mary didn't ring and... Why did I, I think Mary probably did ring, but rang her friend and said, Do "You need, can you report this?" Because she didn't want that association, just in case he turned up again. Yes. Um, you know, so yeah, it, it, there, there's a lot of, I suppose, speculation, but obviously, it was very obvious that this was the same person. Yes. Well, he's got a very distinct look, as we've seen in photos. I mean, I recommend you listeners to watch the segment if you haven't uh, already, but um, or just look it up on the internet and you, you'll definitely see what I mean. We'll probably have the photo up when we eventually air the, the, uh, the episode. Um, but so going back to that night, uh, four hours later... Dennis DePew's life came to a sudden and violent end just across the Louisiana-Mississippi state border. So Louisiana state troopers spotted spotted Dennis's van because they had obviously been reported to look out for it. They attempted to pull him over. He led police on a 15-mile high-speed chase and broke through two police barricades and it was clear that he didn't want to be caught. Um, Warren County, Mississippi, Sheriff Paul Barrett told his deputies that if the van refused to stop, they need to try and shoot the tyres. And they missed the front tyres, but they got both the back tyres. So Dennis travelled about half a mile before his van came to a sudden stop. At about 4am, he fired two shots through the windshield at deputies and another through an open window. Then he turned the gun on himself and took his own life. And Sheriff Paul Barrett believes that he intended to die that night either by the deputies or by his own hand. And apparently Dennis was the first fugitive featured on the broadcast to have committed suicide. He put the gun in his mouth and pulled the trigger. And I think that's the coward's way out. I I don't know if it was the same gun that killed Marilyn. We don't know. Again, I I find that interesting because if they were keen to link him, although... There was circumstantial evidence, but it doesn't sound like they investigated any further than, yes, it was him. 
he obviously did it because he killed himself in, in guilt. He'd sent these letters. Um, but they didn't investigate whether it was the same gun. Yes, true. And, the, and that, I can't imagine a 357 Magnum doesn't make an awful mess of somebody. Yes, yes. So we don't know. So, I mean, he he should have been caught and just faced his punishment. I mean, that would have probably made Marilyn's family feel better and his and the children would still be able to see their father, obviously, but in jail. Um, I'm sure, yes, he was a difficult man, but I'm sure there was sort of some still some love there, um, even though he had done such a horrible crime. Now, the motive, um, now, when I put this in, this is just my own opinion, and I'm not defending Dennis's actions in any way, but uh, whilst I believe that Dennis did what, what he did was unforgivable and cold blood to his family, I don't, I don't know that he went there that day to kill or hurt Marilyn. I think he was just trying to quickly go and pick his children up and leave. I mean, but this is just what the segment showed. Yeah, yeah. So we don't know if maybe it happened a little bit differently in real life. We don't know how he felt about his youngest daughter, Julie, already not wanting to go with him. It wouldn't have been a nice feeling to know that your children don't want to spend time with you and now your son doesn't want to spend time with you. And then when Marilyn finally stood up to him, you know, he again accused her of turning the children against him and then turned violent. Um also, the years of the relationship trouble, he appeared to have depression. Yep. Uh, so isolation from his family, sullen nature, uh, the stress of the divorce, the fact that he didn't want it to happen, he just snapped. But he wasn't helping. I mean, he didn't do much, as far as we're aware, he didn't do much to rescue or restore the marriage. He he became more and more withdrawn, which isn't some something that you do if you want a marriage to continue yes but then again we may only have that from one side he didn't seem to talk about that a great deal i don't know how they know that yes exactly but i'd imagine that she was a counselor so therefore she'd be more open to talking than and men are notoriously um difficult in, in uh, find it difficult to um verbalize their feelings so it might be that he just felt that he couldn't talk to her she was always going to get the um, lead on him because she knew what she was doing in terms of counseling so yeah yes and she he didn't like the fact that marilyn was having more independence and she wanted her own life and that was was one of a family member quoted in the segment saying that she wanted to uh, actually no i don't think it was a family member i think it was the lawyer that yep, said it was lawyer. yes it, it said was. she wanted to run her her own life and not have him uh you know being there and telling her what to do. I mean, because she was older than him, yeah. only by a couple of years. But, you know, so she... And she seemed like a nice lady with a good job and lovely children. So she could have, you know, been fine on her own. Yeah. But Dennis just didn't like that. No. Uh, especially, obviously, because in the segment we have him screaming, you're ruining my life. And then it basically sums up how he was feeling. And he probably... I mean, he just pushed or hit Marilyn due to extreme anger and the breakdown that he was having. And before he knew it, it all got out of hand. And I, Again, I, I, I think that's not out of character. I think he must have done it before because everybody, certainly the children reacted in such a way that they'd seen it before, um, you know. Yeah, maybe he did, like, throw a, throw a little slap every now and then yeah, and they... Yeah. But this was... And she always hit it. Yes. You know, but eventually it got too much for her and she decided, no, nah, I'm going to leave. 
Yes, exactly. And then, um, I mean, having having said this, though, some of Dennis's behaviour did seem a little premeditated after he pushed the injured Marilyn into the van because, like I said, he didn't... He, he said, we're going to the hospital. He didn't want to go to the hospital and have Marilyn tell them what happened or have to explain himself, be questioned by the police. We don't know, you know, he... He really didn't know how to calm down and, and what to do with Marilyn. You know, do, do I say what I'm going to do? Do I take her to the hospital? Or, no, I'm in this too deep. I'm just going to take her and shoot her and hide her, which is he just probably felt he was in too deep and then felt guilty about it, hence the letters. Yeah, mate, yeah. I, I, I find that switch very extreme. I think he he might not have intended to kill her, but I think it, when given the opportunity, he he took it. Yes, and I mean, and he did, like we said, he did say to his yep, co-worker that yep, he was contemplating fine. suicide and murder, and he did both. Mm. I mean, granted, it was a year later, nearly, that he committed Only suicide, he was get, get caught. caught. Exactly. We wonder how is it? Was he going to continue writing letters? Was he going to write a letter to his children? Well, he hadn't written one for nine months. Yeah. So I think so. He, he was trying to get on with his life. Yeah. So he obviously didn't feel that guilty about it, but just guilty enough to want to send some letters that made absolutely no sense. Yeah. But he might have been in that state at three months in, whereas he'd had nine months. Who knows where he was when he sent those letters? Yes, they said they were postmarked from different states. Yeah. So we've got... But, I mean, they were, alar- they were alarming because it just shows that he was willing to blame everybody else for his actions. Yeah, he, Yeah, that it wasn't him, that, you know, the kids were turned against him by Marilyn. She did this, she did that, and she deserved to die. And I honestly think he deserved to die too, you know? Well, again... You've got to think that he changed the license plates. Now, that's not something you do if you're not thinking. If you haven't got a set, spare set of plates. Yes. Maybe, maybe, it, maybe it was premeditated or yeah, maybe... Definitely was. Well, it, he was definitely thinking of doing something. Otherwise, he wouldn't have had the spare plates. True. But then he, he might probably was, again, not in his right frame of mind because of doing it in front of the witnesses, because of leaving the door open, because even though it was a but again, deserted I think that road. Was a panic. I think that was something that he, he... Panicked about. He he had the plates there, but he wasn't thinking along those level. He had the gun there. He wasn't thinking of killing her. The opportunity came. He took that. He then buried the blanket. That's, again, premeditated. Yep. He buried it. He didn't just discard it. He yeah. buried it. Put it in a small hole. Um, you know, uh, the, the fact that he changed the plates when... He could have been driving along that road and nobody would have seen him. He only changed those plates, I believe, is because he knew the people. there was a chance that the people had seen him. Yes, and they obviously did because they remembered the name, yeah. the licence plate. So, uh, so we could thank them for the, um, the tip and also... Um, well, that's probably the only reason he was caught. Yes, yes, that's true. And then, obviously, and then the segment. Um, but... Someone was obviously smart enough to... The private investigator would have had his uh, truck plates as well so maybe even the pi called called um mary who called herself mary the girlfriend and said hey he's just been featured on unsolved mysteries you were right about him yeah yeah Yeah. so um so there's a few extra notes obviously i did say um that the beginning portion of the broadcast was used as the inspiration for the 2001 movie jeepers creepers which i recommend definitely seeing it's pretty scary um but I, I'm used to scary movies. I love them. Um, so give that a watch. Um, not much is known about Dennis and Marilyn's children today. I did read on 
uh, good old sitcoms online that they were in police protection while Dennis was on the run in case he came back to hurt them. Which was always a possibility. Yep, which was always a possibility. Shortly after the murder, their eldest daughter, Jennifer, graduated high school and they had... They were rumoured to have gone and lived with their grandparents, so I'm assuming the people that were interviewed in the segment. Some speculate they lived in Florida at one point. Others say they remained in Michigan, and their privacy has been kept ever since. And I really hope that they're doing as best they can. I hope that they, well, you know, the found a bit of peace. from their point of view is they didn't see their mother get killed. They saw her get pushed down the yes. and beaten. Yes. I'm assuming they saw her get beaten, but they certainly saw the argument. So that would have been traumatic enough. But to know the outcome was that she'd been killed yeah. would have been fairly... Tra- but they didn't get to see it. Well, they didn't see it. So from that point of view, they can be quite thankful. Yes. Not to say it lessens the trauma, but, yeah, I think that that is one saving grace. Yes. And the fact that he didn't come back... And again, I don't think his argument was with his children. I think... If he was going to murder suicide, he would have killed them in front of and her as well. Yeah. Um, I don't think that was his aim, and I don't think that was ever his intention. Um, but you know, you, 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 hindsight's always twenty twenty. So, you know, if they hadn't put the police protection in, and he'd come back and killed them, then everybody would have said, "Why didn't you put the police protection on them?" So. Yes. You know, so it's <laughs> it's either way. Yes. Yeah, I, th- I think they did the right thing. They protected the children until such time as it, obviously he was no longer a danger to them. Yes, only a danger to himself apparently. Which again, some people would say yes, he deserved it. Other people say he should remain. Life he must have made pretty good time because he made it from Texas across. To the Louisiana, Louisiana, Louisiana and yeah. Into Mississippi. Yeah. On that's, the border. That's a fair... It's a fair hike for four hours. Yeah, not too bad. Well. And so it all happened pretty quickly. And I say I always feel very vindicated when someone's caught from the from the show. I, you know, some people, it's been over the years where they've actually watched themselves on TV and waited to be caught. They stated it's their favourite show and they watch it and they never expected to be on it. I'm sure he just, all the blood drained from his sullen face and he just said, I have to get the heck out of Dodge. Mm-hmm. But uh, he knew that pretty much the jig was up when he broke through the barricades and yep. started shooting. Yep. So, yes, yeah, so a sad case in, in all, um, but, you know, irreconcilable differences. It ended in tragedy, but I hope that the family has peace and is at best that they can at the moment. So yep. um, so that uh, wraps up today's uh, episode of Dennis Depew. So thank you very much, Graham, for uh, coming and being um, a very good sort of co-host, another host for me today. I can't replace Mark, but um, <laughs> that's fine. You did a very good job. Um, so, yes, please follow us on uh, Unsolved Mystery Rewind. We have a Facebook page, an Instagram page. Um, we like to post new episodes and things that we are getting up to. And, um, yeah, so listen in. Thanks, guys. Take care. Tonight we have been confronted with an entire catalogue of unexplained and unsolved events. Tune in next time. Unsolved Mysteries Rewind discusses another collection of unsolved mysteries. Until then, we can only look and wonder.